The gig economy. You'll hear lots of people talk about it. But did you realize it's opening up lots of jobs to international competition? You could have your logo designed in Pakistan and your bookkeeping done in the Philippines sourced with just your browser and a credit card. Most importantly, you could replace a podcast host with a luscious, smooth Aussie voice instead. And really, isn't this much better? On this episode of Mondo Mercato, we'll talk about the international aspects of the gig economy and how you too can be replaced by a silver-tongued siren from the Southern Hemisphere. Come on. From the Georgia Tech Center for International Business Education and Research at the Scheller College of Business, this is Mondo Mercado, Understanding Global Markets. Mondo Mercado aims to demystify the complex world of international business through education and entertainment. Phew! Thankfully for me, we ran out of budget for voiceovers for this episode. And for a few more episodes too, probably. So for our topic today, we're talking about the gig economy. This episode was quite long in production due to COVID. And by an interesting coincidence, due to the pandemic, a lot of people shifted to online gig work. At Georgia Tech, at the Scheller College of Business, we are lucky to have an expert on the gig economy that we were able to interview. So how are you doing? Uh, well, good, you know, other than the big worries, uh, uh, as uh, trying to enjoy working from home and making it productive. So before we get started, um, do a self-introduction, say who you are, your title, and then tell me a little bit of background about yourself. So my name is Chu Yu. Uh, I am a assistant professor at the Shella School of Business uh, in the area of operations management. Uh, and my research area, my expertise is on surface operations. Uh, I use large data set to study consumer and worker behavior in service systems such as ride sharing platforms, uh, restaurants and call centers. And in turn, how companies can use the behavioral insights from the data to improve uh, their business decisions. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So you do research on the so-called gig economy. For people who may not be familiar with what the gig economy is, what exactly is the gig economy? So my understanding of uh, kind of gig economy basically is the uh, free agents. So it offer workers with a lot of flexibility. However, on the downside, it may actually kind of the, the work nature is unstable over time. You know, sometimes you get the gig, sometimes you don't. Yeah, that's that's certainly an, an issue that people are talking about a lot in, in the gig economy. In, and it's it's come up in controversy against some of the major gig providers in the U.S. They're not providing benefits because they're not the people who work for them are not employees. And the question in, in California, of course, was are they actually employees that are being treated as contractors? One of the things that I think that is really interesting and which I would like to get your, your comment on is gig economy, we think of it as things that are inherently local, driving or looking after your kids or doing some cleaning work or things like that. But there are many things that are now becoming available on the gig economy uh, that are really transnational job types. And that opens up 
a lot of job sections to international competition where there had not been before. Offer us some insight on that. Uh, definitely, I think the gig economy basically uh, open like open up a much larger talent pool for companies who are open to hire gig work uh, gig workers. For example, for uh, pretty much all knowledge based work uh, is can be broadless. For example, media professional consulting, education. Uh, or even kind of the, uh, a lot of tech work can be actually done uh, by workers that from a different country. Well, small companies and medium-sized companies in America, I think, are also going to be uh, affected by the international nature of gig work. First, let's start off with, are there some small companies that do work that is in danger of being replaced by international gig work? What steps can they take to maybe circumvent that or shift? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I think the challenging for small business is not about the nature of the work they do because the service provided by, by a small company will still be valuable. However, I think the challenging for small business is to figure out a way to recruit and keep their workers in the presence of gig economy. Uh, so to kind of to address uh, the challenge, maybe they can open up themselves for gig workers by consider hiring uh, gig workers to to address the issue, kind of how to compete for the best talent in the labor market. So then on the plus side, do you think that um, the availability of international talent that, that's now out there through gig platforms like, uh, like Upwork and like Fiverr, what kind of assistance does that give them uh, in growing and, and, and developing and maintaining business? Well, I think it basically opened up the uh, opportunity for small business to hire workers that usually not available locally. For example, right right now you can actually with the gig economy, you may actually hire tech people, you know, from across the globe through gig economy uh, platforms. So it opened up the possibility to uh basically build a business when you usually will have a problem hiring the talent talent locally you want uh it certainly uh kind of open up a lot of possibility but again it will be uh difficult to for a small business like to to maintain competitive advantage by engaging in gig economy because the workers they can hire workers from a different country or anywhere they want, but other companies can do the same thing. So I think that's kind of the, the risk. Is there a distinct possibility, that particularly for, for knowledge jobs, that gig work is going to replace entry-level jobs? Because it doesn't seem to be in the best interest of companies now to hire people in those positions. Uh, that's a, also a very... Uh, interesting perspective uh i think it will depend on uh the competitive advantage or competitive strategy of the company so certain entry level job can be essential for the business and it's important for the business to have 100 percent control uh in those cases i think uh, uh it's it still make more sense for the company to actually hire entry level uh, workers as a full-time employees because that's what they use to differentiate themselves. 
Um, but then for a lot of other entry jobs, like for example, um, cleaning, like you know, for more basic services, you don't. It, it's not part of your core business. Uh, then if it's not part of your core business, then you why not to outsource to gig workers? Uh, usually with relatively lower cost. When we come back. More of our interview with Kuiping Yu, Assistant Professor of Operations Management and Business Analytics at the Scheller College of Business. Hello, this is Michael Oxman, Managing Director of the Ray C. Anderson Center for Sustainable Business at Scheller College of Business. We at the center are working to integrate environmental and social issues that present both risks and opportunities to the private sector into business school education and practice. We do this through academic research, courses and co-curricular activities that emphasize real-world engagement with corporate partners, and via collaboration on a range of international sustainability issues. For more information, you can find me at michael.oxman at scheller.gotech.edu. Thank you. So before the break, Dr. Kuiping, you and I were talking about the evolving nature of the gig economy. In this second half of our interview, we talk about the impact of COVID and the long-term impacts of gig work. So uh, to make it very current, um, with COVID-19 and shelter in place, a lot of people are spending a lot of time at home. A lot of people are out of their regular jobs. And I have not seen the numbers on it, but my intuition tells me that a number of them have moved to the gig platforms in an attempt to find some form of aid employment. Do you believe that this might serve to push people more, to push companies towards more of a utilization of gig workers? Um, I think, again, this will depend on uh, it will depend on the nature of the company, what industry they are. Um, I, I think the, the, the pandemic definitely uh, kind of offered platforms kind of opportunities because there are a lot of uh, uh, unemployment right now. So uh, a lot of workers are forced in a way to look for gig jobs because they used to have full-time jobs, but now they don't. So then they are looking for employment, even temporary employment uh, opportunities uh, through gig platforms. Uh, then it definitely kind of can help the growth uh, of gig economy because it kind of a lot of workers exposed to kind of the, the benefit, the, the advantage of gig economy. And then they may, the workers in the future may, even after the pandemic, they may be more likely to try out uh, in the gig economy. So it definitely can help uh, the growth overall um, across industry. Uh, well, do you think there's any particular job title or category of jobs that are at risk of disappearing because of gig work? I think it's more about the business model rather than the nature of the job. For example, cleaning. So in the past, a lot of uh, uh, there are small cleaning companies, uh, and then they hire those workers maybe in a full-time uh, basis. Uh, the cleaning service itself will not disappear, but then the model how to deliver cleaning services will be different in the future. So because with the gig economy, people, it's easier for people to actually find cleaning workers in a part-time uh, 
uh, basis, so, so then in, in kind of those small uh, business may actually uh, find it difficult to survive using the current business model, but they need to kind of adapt themselves uh, to the changing labor uh, market. What about uh, temporary staffing services? Uh, this would seem to be potentially a big threat to them. That's true. Uh, yes, uh, th th definitely. Actually, for example, for uh, I work with a, a long haul logistic platform. They they basically provide uh, long haul logistic services for uh, major companies like uh, uh, Walmart, Coca Cola. So they they ship kind of long haul uh, stuff for the merchant uh, for the products of those companies. Uh, and then it, it, they are currently running a very uh, large uh, platform. So traditionally, kind of these uh, uh, small brokers uh, that uh, owns kind of carriers, owns kind of trucks and hiring kind of uh, truck drivers. But nowadays, like those small brokers actually may, may be at a risk because those large platforms can actually automatically match uh, the, the truck drivers with uh, with the company like Walmart who need uh, uh, the long haul delivery. So in that case, kind of the small brokers might be actually replaced by larger platforms, which can facilitate the matching between demand and supply much more effectively. Well, the rise of, of telework has caused uh, a number of economies around the world to specialize in certain things. Uh, we can all think of back a, a while ago when certain countries were specializing, for example, in uh, call centers uh, as the location for those based on, on languages and such. Does the rise of gig work, do you think that that causes more economies to want to specialize or does it open up competition from economies that previously were not able to participate? Yeah, I see what you mean. So for example, traditionally, uh, so I work with kind of uh, call centers. So traditionally, for example, call centers, uh, a lot of call centers are outsourced to India. Uh, and also a lot of uh, tech workers are outsourced to countries like India, where there's a lot of people and a lot of engineers as well with relatively lower cost. Um, so outsourcing is not new. Uh, a lot of people kind of confuse with outsourcing, with gig economy. Uh, I think the major difference is in the gig economy, you are outsourcing your work to individual worker, not to an individual company. I, I think definitely, so it, uh, it uh, can basically decentralize the management of workers in a way, in a, in a very large scale. So obviously those workers don't have to base on the same place and you can attract talents from all over the world. But I think the successfulness of such business model is how, because, you know, in most cases, the job cannot be done by individual worker. They may need to collaborate with each other. So I think this is very related to the current trend of uh, remote working. So when you hire a bunch of big workers across the, the, the globe, then how can you actually facilitate a more effective collaboration among those workers, which I think is the uh, essential thing in the future when the gig economy kind of growing a more mature stage. I think that the most challenging thing is how do you evaluate effectively manage a decentralized team, uh, not only for the current economy, but for the gig economy, when the workers are super um, decentralized uh, in a way. So those things become uh, kind of very important. Well, how do we as a, a nation and has, how as a global economy, 
do we adjust to the fact that a whole bunch of work that previously had to be done locally is now going to be able to be done where we're following the, you know, go to wherever it's cheapest? Yeah, I think this is very related to the current trade issue that the uh you know it's at the center of the uh politic discussion in America. Kind of whether you want to outsource your job to a different country where the cost is lower. Um, so I actually support free trade. I think kind of economists all agree that uh, free trade uh, overall will enlarge the pie. Basically for rich countries like America, when you outsource your job to a, a cheaper location, then you can buy things at a cheaper cost and overall you grow the economy. However, it will award people who own capital a lot more than labor. So basically for rich people in America, they can make more money because they reduce, for example, for Apple, big uh, corporation, they by outsourcing uh, their manufacturer to China, they reduce the overall cost for Apple and then improve the profitability of the company. So I think, what, so allowing trade is okay, but at the same time, the policymakers need to make sure that they can actually shift certain part of the profit made by the you know capital intensive uh corporate to average americans so that not kind of winners get it all but through kind of a policy uh you can actually shift some part of the wealth from the top you know the top portion of americans to to the lower uh proportion of americans who are not making uh, a lot due to due to the trade or due to the borderless uh, borderless uh, While I was listening to your answer, I was hearing the voice of Thomas Piketty in the back of my head uh, when you started talking about those who own capital are able to source to where it is cheapest, and this is kind of allowing that uh, on a an unprecedented scale. Let's go with uh, the last question. You and I both work for an educational institution. Scheller College of Business. So how do educational institutions like ours prepare students for the reality of borderless gig work? Uh, I think it is uh, uh, important for universities like Shell or Georgia Tech uh, to provide a diverse and inclusive learning environment so that students can learn about different cultures and languages. Uh, in a borderless economy, and in the future, it's got like, Regardless of gig economy, it's going to be a global economy. So this becomes especially important for uh, Americans uh, to expose themselves to different cultures uh, and to be able to communicate and work with people from different culture. And this is also a front center issue nowadays, you know, uh, provide an inclusive and diverse environment. And second, I think it's also important for for universities to can embed the education on future of work in students' uh, curriculum, because we are at the kind of the, the the beginning of this huge transformation in terms of how the labor market is going to work out in the future. So I think students need to understand how the uh, transformation of the labor market is going to impact their career and how they can actually uh, prepare for that. Uh, in kind of being a, in a brand new labor market in the future. Uh, so thank you for, for joining us and uh, we'll uh, be in touch. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Yeah. 
This is Robert Burgess, the Administrative Director of the Denning Technology and Management Program, abbreviated TNM. Our office is in the Scheller College of Business here at Georgia Tech. The TNM program is a competitive admission minor that's designed to breed cross-functional leaders in technology and business-related fields. The classes emphasize experiential learning and include hands-on elements that allow those TNM students the opportunity to offer interdisciplinary solutions to real-world problems faced by our corporate affiliates. All undergraduate majors on campus are welcome to apply each October for admission to the cohort the following fall semester. About 300 students apply each year. It's a very selective program as we only have 65 seats in each cohort. If you'd like more information about the TNM program, please contact me at robert.burgess, B-U-R-G-E-S-S, at scheller, S-C-H-E-L-L-E-R, dot We have talked a lot about the legitimate side of gig work, but it's important to understand that gig work and gig workers are having an impact across a wide range of industries, including some rather surprising ones. In March of this year, 2021, two popular YouTubers showed us how people who are essentially gig workers can be used for nefarious purposes. Jim Browning is the alias of a London-based software engineer and hacker from Northern Ireland who has a channel called Tech Support Scams. On this channel, Browning uses his particular set of skills. Skills that he has acquired over a very long career. Skills that make him a nightmare for scammers. He looks for them. He finds them. He takes control of their computers, their webcams, and other elements of their electronic footprint. And he kills their ability to scam the elderly, the vulnerable, and the tech unsavvy. Mark Rober is a former NASA engineer who worked on the Curiosity rover before moving on to work at Apple but he is probably best known for his intricately designed devices that punish so-called porch pirates or people who steal packages left on doorsteps, particularly around the holiday season. Rober's devices fling multicolored glitter in all directions when open, as well as spraying a noxious odor and playing a pre-recorded taunting message while streaming live video and sharing the location through a cell phone GPS. Browning and Rober set out to use Rober's device to interrupt a scam designed to make people believe that they have made a significant financial error and need to return money as quickly as possible to avoid criminal action. The scammers have detailed databases of numbers, names, and information on hundreds of thousands of people, mostly elderly, and they're able to trick these unsuspecting folks into sending large amounts of cash. The scammers are virtually all located in countries with significant tech-savvy English-speaking populations. If the money were wired or otherwise sent electronically, particularly overseas, that would leave a trail. Also, the mark might catch on that they are not refunding a U.S. business if the address that they have to send it to is not located in the United States. So the scammers find a single-use fixed address where they can have a package filled with cash sent. Often, this is a residence that rents out space on a hospitality sharing site. So where is this like gig work? Send in the money mules. The FBI states that money mules are recruited through usually get-rich-quick ads on social media and email or through dating websites. But in another case of life imitating a Black Mirror episode, some mules are recruited from among victims who must complete their tasks because the things the scammers convinced them that they did. 
Please note, no gig work websites are used in this process. But the workers are people who are hired online to do a single job for which they are qualified. Not really functionally that different from gig work. The mules collect the money and deliver it to a supervisor who serves the role of what a gig work platform would be in the legitimate world. And both keep a percentage of the funds as payment. I don't want to give away too much about what happened. You should go to YouTube and find Browning and Rober's videos. They're really quite informative. But to summarize, gig workers fulfill roles for companies which, while usually not part of the core business, are vital to keeping the businesses functioning. And now those workers, for good and bad purposes, can be located around the world with just a web browser and a means of online payment. In part two, we'll look at the life of gig workers in greater depth both now and what might happen in the future. Be sure to join us. is a production of the Georgia Tech Center for International Business Education and Research, funded by the U.S. Department of Education and housed at the Scheller College of Business at the Georgia Institute of Technology in beautiful Midtown Atlanta, Georgia, USA. If you like this podcast, please click the like button, share, and subscribe. Thank you. Special thanks to Dr. Keith Yu of the Scheller College of Business and Lucy Dwyer and her voiceover talents. The Georgia Tech Center for International Business Education and Research is under the direction of Dr. John McIntyre. The editor for this episode is the amazing Angel Daniels. The producer is James Hoadley. Special thanks to the Scheller College of Business, Joe Macri, and Charlie Bennett, Public Engagement Librarian of the Georgia Tech Library. The opinions expressed in this episode are the opinions of the speakers only and do not constitute an official statement from the Georgia Institute of Technology or the U.S. Department of Education. Information on Mondo Mercado is provided for educational purposes only and does not constitute professional advice. Always contact a qualified professional before undertaking any business investment. Special thanks to KCEL. Where this is going. Giggity, giggity, gig, good, dee.